The world that we live in today is perceived as being filled with evil, corruption, crime, hate, and people who only think of their own wants and desires. This is, quite, this is made quite obvious when we watch the evening news on our televisions. And yet, there are still many in this world that, knew, that do care for others. They are truly concerned for those that are less fortunate than themselves. And these same people give a lot of their money and their time to help others. They are people that perform good works. So this brings up the question, can their good work save them? Will your good work save you? Can my good work save me? And what we would like to do tonight is open God's word and see what it has to say on this matter. What is interesting is that the Bible has much to say about being saved. But what is it that we need to be saved from? To understand this, we need to do we need to go back to the beginning of our Bibles where we have recorded for us the fall of man. It is the real life story of Adam and Eve. We are told in Genesis that when God created the world that we live in and, and everything on it, that God also created man, the man Adam. And he put Adam and his wife Eve in charge of everything that he had created. God had provided for all of their needs, and there was only one rule that they had to follow. So let's turn in our Bibles to Genesis chapter 2, where we have this recorded for us. Let me go to Genesis chapter 2, reading from verses 7 to 9. And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight, to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So we have recorded there God creating man and placing him into, in the garden. From verses 15 to 17, we have the command that God gives them. Start at verse 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat, for not an idea of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. So Adam and Eve had the run of the garden. They were to keep it. They were to enjoy the fruits of their labor. And there was only one thing that they were not allowed to do. God had commanded them not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And if they went against God's commandment, it would be a sin. And they were told that they would die. Now we all know what happened, don't we? That Adam and Eve did eat of that tree, and God punished them for their sin. Chapter 3, verses 17 to 19 records this for us. After they had partaken of the tree, God says to Adam, And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. 
In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat of the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face thou shalt eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it was thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. So from Adam forward, even on today, we see that man and woman are dying mortal beings. Something else happened. We also inherit Adam's nature. We are all prone to sin. Now, if we turn to the New Testament, to Romans chapter 5, we see this reading from verse 12 of Romans chapter 5. It says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. So Adam is that one man that through sin entered into the world, and we are all now prone to sin as we have his nature. So by this quick review, we see what it is that we need to be saved from. It is from our sins, our sins which brings death. Romans 6 tells us that the wages of sin is, is death. So if we were to receive payment for what we do in our lives, we who are sinners, that would be death. So you might, so you might have seen the problem is that we have, the problem that we have here, we all sin, so we are all going to die. The Bible tells us that God has provided a way that we who are sinners can be saved. And this was accomplished through the sacrifice of his son, our Lord Jesus Christ. We're gonna look at a couple of verses that show this in Romans chapter five. We're there right now. We're gonna just go back a few verses, starting at verse eight of Romans five. But God commended his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more, being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we shall joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have received the, atone the atonement. The subject of our Lord Jesus Christ, his resurrection, is a great study, but it's not our study tonight. Our class is entitled, Will Our Good Works Save Us? And yet, we can't do this class without looking at what our Lord Jesus Christ did on our behalf. When it comes to being saved, the Bible talks about being justified. Our problem is that we sin, we are sinners, and we will always sin is part of our nature. But God, in his wisdom and love for us, has provided a way for sinful man that he can be justified from his sins. Turn back to Romans chapter 3, and we'll start reading at verse 23 to 25. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set up to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness 
for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. This is what God has done for mankind. This is what God has done for us. And as you read through the New Testament, it would seem that there are two views on how we are justified. In our reading tonight from James, we see that he says we are saved or justified by our works. And James uses the example of Abraham when he brings this point forward. We're going to turn over to James chapter 2, the reading that we had read for us tonight, and we'll read from verse 21 to 23. James says, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son up, son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought his work with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? And the scriptures was fulfilled with Seth, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see how that by works a man is justified and not by faith alone. Like, I will just stop there. Thank you. For if we now turn... What I want to do now is turn to Romans chapter 4, and we'll see when Paul writes to the Romans on how man is justified, he also uses the same example of Abraham, just as James did. So we're going to turn over to Romans chapter 4, and we'll read from verse 1 to 5. What shall we say then? That Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found... For if Abraham was justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scriptures? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Paul uses the same person, Abraham, as an example. And he's saying Abraham was justified by his works. Why are we given two different views on this matter? Do they contradict each other? Or is there a harmony to be found on these two views? There are two views put forward because there's two categories of people that are being addressed here. These two categories are both brought out in the one person, Abraham. We'll start with Paul and how we, we are justified by faith because he is dealing with Abraham at an earlier time in his life than what James is. We have recorded for us in Genesis that God made many promises to Abraham. In Genesis chapter 12, God said to him, I will bless thee. I will make your name great. And in you, all families of the earth shall be blessed. And then in Genesis chapter 15, he's also promised an inheritance, a great inheritance of land. And he's told that he would have a son through whom all these promises would be fulfilled. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 15. And we'll just read of this, which will bring forth the faith that Abraham had. 
Genesis chapter 15, starting at verse 3. Abraham's name was Abram at this time. And we read, And Abram said, Behold to me, thou hast given thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now towards heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord and it was counted and, it, and he counted it to him for righteousness. Paul is saying that Abraham, when he believed in God, when he had faith that God would fulfill the promises, then he was justified by his faith. Verse 6 said, Abraham was counted as being righteous because he believed, he, because he had faith. Let's turn back to Romans chapter 4, where Paul is discussing this matter. In Romans chapter 4, reading from verse 19 to 22. We read there, and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able to perform. And therefore, it was imputed to him for righteousness. So we see here that Abraham, the sinner, is justified from his sins because of his faith. And what is interesting, Abraham's status before God changes when he proclaims his faith, when he believed. Abraham goes from sinner to being a saint. Now let's turn to James' words on Abraham. He is making reference to Abraham later in his life after he has shown his faith in God's promises. It is after Isaac is born and God asks him to offer Isaac up as a sacrifice. James is saying that Abraham, being willing to perform this work, perfected his faith. And we see this in James chapter 2, at verse 22. Seeing thou how faith wrought his works, and by works was faith made perfect. So Abraham the saint in the sight of God is now justified by his works, which proclaims his faith. The problem James was dealing with was he was writing to believers that had faith, but were not performing works nor did they know that they had to perform works. So James is telling them that they need works to show their faith. Our works are proof that we have faith. Read verse 17 and 18 of James chapter 2. We'll read it again. Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, thou hast faith, and I have works. 
show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Paul, when writing to those at Philippi, you see, he doesn't agree with, doesn't disagree with James. He tells them that they need to work out their own salvation with fear and with trembling. Works were still required, even though they had faith. The faithful need to perform works. So how does this work in our lives? When are we justified by faith or works? What does it mean to be a sinner or a saint? Well, we've already looked at how we are all sinners when we looked at Adam and how that we inherit his nature and how that we all sin. So when sinners come to an understanding of God and his son and have faith that we can have our sins forgiven through the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ and we are baptized, our status changes. We become in Christ. And Corinthians shows this change in status in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, at verse 2, when Paul is writing to those brothers and sisters at Corinth. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2, we read, Unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all that are in every place called upon the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours. So when they were sanctified, were they in Christ, then they were called to be saints. The point is, faith is necessary before works are accounted to us. We have an example of Cornelius, the, century, the centurion, that Peter was sent to, and this is recorded for us in Acts chapter 10. Cornelius was a good man. We're told he was just, he feared God, and he performed many good works and gave much in the way of charity to the poor. But that was not going to save him. Something was missing in his life, and that was being in Christ. He did not know that there was salvation through the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. But because he was seeking God in his life, Peter was sent to teach him of Jesus. Cornelius listened, understood, and believed. He had faith that he could now be saved through the sacrifice of Jesus. This is what God has instituted for us to follow. First, we must have faith. Then we need to continue in good works to show our faith so that God might be glorified by what we do. The point here is that God has instituted this. Of ourselves, we cannot perform good works that will save us. God, because of his love, his mercy, and his grace has, prom has provided the way that we can be saved. We're gonna close by looking at two verses, two sets of verses that brings this point forward. Both of them found in Romans. So the first one is in Romans chapter 4, the chapter we've been looking at tonight, at verse 23 and 24. We read there. Now, now, it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also to whom it would, 
it shall be imputed. If we believe on him that rise up, raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. So we see here in these verses that it is not of our own that we can do, that we have, that we are saved, but it's through the grace of God that we are saved. Chapter 5, verse 8 to 11. But God commended his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we now have the atonement. We see from these verses, because of God's love for us, he has provided a way that we can be saved through his son. God wants us to have faith that he will do this, that he can save us from our sins, and that we can live forever in the kingdom to come. In Hebrews chapter 11, we are told that, uh, that we must believe in God and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. After we enter into this covenant relationship with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, we need to perform works to show our faith and so that God might be glorified. A very interesting topic. Of ourselves, we cannot save ourselves, but we do need to have faith and we do need to have good works if we are to please God and to continue on our road towards the kingdom. Thank you.